This episode is about customer experience. And as you know, it starts with the customer experience and it ends with the customer experience. So if you want to use your customer experience to improve retention, if you want to know which key metrics to track, what is the frequency, what should be the frequency of tracking those key metrics, how to map out the journey and many things around customer experience. If you want to build your company in a successful way, this podcast episode is for you. The way that I look at it, customer experience is the first time that they touch a product or the time that they leave the product. Every time in between is a customer experience. This is Jonathan. I look mm -hmm. at it from AX or agent experience, right? Um, I look at it from CX customer experience, and then I look at EX employee experience. And then the last one is like business outcomes. Jonathan is a chief customer experience innovation officer at Arise Virtual Solutions a customer service outsourcing and offshoring consulting firm. Arise acquired Officium. And you know what? Who was the co-founder of that company, Officium? It was Jonathan. Jonathan is not new to the customer experience industry. He has worked with big names like Microsoft, Monster, Autodesk, and startups like Postmates, Kabam, Forday Labs, and many more. His insights have been published in a lot of magazines, newspapers, online blogs, podcasts, so valuable information is all you're going to get from this episode. If you want to learn more about me, go to issuesing.com, I-S-H-U-S-I-N-G-H.com, issuesing.com. Go there and learn more about me. You can get in touch with me there as well. If you want to learn more about startingtoknow.com, go to startingtoknow.com, learn more about business-related topics. You won't regret. Go there, learn, search, whatever you want to learn related with business. Most probably, we're going to have some topics covered around it. So feel free to go there and learn more about business-related topics. So now, without further ado, let's welcome Jonathan to the show. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Why don't we start with the very first and the important one? Uh, what are Arise Virtual Solutions? So Arise Virtual Solutions, it's a kind of an on-demand network of capability that's global that allows companies to tap in to customer service, game testing, community support, uh, frontline as well as consulting um, capabilities that help deliver best-in-class services uh, for many different verticals. I run the gaming vertical as well as innovation lab, but we have finance, HR, uh, we have verticals around hospitality and, and whatnot. So mm -hmm. that's kind of what Arise is. It started 29 years ago and I was acquired, the company that I founded, Ephysium Labs, was acquired about nine months ago by Arise. Mm -hmm. Congrats for that. Thank you. And how do you define customer experience? The way that I look at it, customer experience is the first time that they touch a product or the time that they leave the product. Every time in between is a customer experience. And so thinking about how to design that experience, service that experience, and ensure that experience is one where they will be happy and want to keep using your product, I think is, is key for all leaders, whether you're services leaders, product leaders, tech leaders, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, like customer experience has a few principles to enhance customer experience. So those are something like, that's what I know, personally, the experience, optimize customer experience, things like that. Like know your customer in and out. Do you believe in all of these or would you like to add any of your own? Well, I think generally, if you ask simple questions to try to understand 
how to deliver an amazing experience, I find that to be the most effective. Oftentimes, individuals will be like, hey, I want to build this amazing strategy that does this, 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 and this, and we're going to deliver amazing customer experience. And I don't know if there's anything you know necessarily wrong with that approach, but it's just different than what I do. What I traditionally try to do is, what are three or four simple questions that I, I want to ask myself and my team as we think about, about building a great customer experience for our customers? Like, for example, one question when we started Officium three years ago was, how do we help clients improve revenue generation and revenue protection by 15%? It's a very simple question. And then we ask secondary questions to that, which led us down the path of creating the maturity model and the service stack to be able to actually have a, a mechanized way looking at the entire experience of when they buy versus when they leave to prove mathematically the things that you should do along the journey to retain them and keep them coming back, right? So, so I think you have to understand like what are those simple questions of what you're trying to, to do or solve for your, your customers? Then I think guiding principles like what you mentioned, you know, about knowing your customer, you know, be, living in the shoes of your customer as it were, um, looking at the entire customer experience from the design phase to the execution phase, all those different types of things, I think, will bring value. Uh, but sometimes I think it's easy to overcomplicate it if you don't keep it simple in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can overdoing something can result in annoyance to the customer? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, I think if you overcomplicate it, you make it too hard, then it's not seamless. And one of the more popular customer scores or benchmarks that have come up recently is around customer effort, which I'm a big proponent of is, you know, if, if the customer views them getting back to your product as seamless when they have an issue or a concern, then they'll view the experience as seamless and their perception becomes the reality. And when they want to make a rebuy or a purchase, they'll remember the seamlessness of it. They won't necessarily remember what their issue was. They won't necessarily remember, you know, whether your product is, you know, that much better than your competitors. They'll remember like how easy was it to get back to what they love which was your product originally. And so I think taking those obstacles out at the design stage, when you think about experience design, product design, and then when you go into the execution stage, making sure that you don't increase obstacles or add obstacles, I think is super critical. Mm -hmm. So basically rethinking about the strategy that was, that was chosen initially. So coming back to your point of initial question asking process, ask the first question, then dig deeper, ask one more time, why, why, like kind of why, why analysis and same, same thing with the design process, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, when you, I know that like there's different stages of companies maturation, right? So if you think about an enterprise company, right? So enterprise companies probably been established for a while. And so they've been doing things a certain way. Um, for quite some time. And so when you think about, you know, how do you transform inside of an enterprise? I think thinking about those simple questions of what are the key areas to transform by answering those questions. And you can even think about it as a stages of transformation. So you can think like stage zero is what is, what is the question that we're coming up with? And, and what are the sub questions underneath that? Stage one is, that question then turns into some type of a, a premise or maybe a theory 
you may even be at the thesis statement kind of point in stage one. In stage two, then you really start to think about, well, how do we pilot this out and prove the, the value or the non-value of this? You know, you know, stage three, you know, you go into kind of maybe go to market and stage four scale, right? And so when you're a large enterprise company, you can't transform the entire, you know, product the, overnight, right? It's not, it's not possible. But you can look at key critical areas and ask those simple questions to determine where you can get the biggest ROI of return for your customers at the experience level. Now, if you're a startup company, when you're building your product, when you're building your strategy around services, you can ask those simple questions and maybe even a few more because you're building it from the ground and it gives you more flexibility to iterate, to try, or as Nelson Mandela likes to say, win or learn over time. And then eventually you'll get to that point where you become that enterprise and then you have to focus on where where, where you're going to transform over time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you, you touched the point of ROI. What other metrics to keep an eye on? Well, I think when you think about ROI, there's a couple of different components of it. I look mm-hmm. at it from AX or agent experience, right? Um, I look at it from CX customer experience, and then I look at EX employee experience. And then the last one is like business outcomes. So when you look across those four different areas, there'll be kind of different KPIs mm-hmm. for those areas. Obviously the business outcome is revenue where the ROI is kind of revenue retention, long-term you know, business exists largely um, to make money. Um, some businesses have profit with a purpose, but generally to make money. When you look at the agent experience of the frontline folks that may be servicing or engaging you know, with your customers, there'll be a set of KPIs. You know, their customer satisfaction is a popular one. Um, when you look at our kind of the kind of employee experience and you look, you look at EMPS or per, perhaps you have a, a sister type of metric around on that, that kind of component, right? And so when you think about those different things like customer experience, maybe you look at customer effort and so forth. So in each of those areas, there'll be slightly different metrics. But the most important thing, it's less important what the exact metric is. It's more important is is the metric helping you answer your questions? And is your are your questions kind of tied to a North Star that's going to help you to continue to retain and build a great value proposition for your clients? And, and that's the way that I would think about it. Mm-hmm. And you emphasize a lot on, on asking the questions, I think, and that's the right approach to solve any problem. So you have, you have mentioned asking questions to the mostly to the internal teams, employees, and other team members. What about asking questions to the customer? What do you think about that? Well, I think every time that, whether you have a customer satisfaction survey, um, whether you do like a client summit or a customer summit, or you do kind of a client or, or customer effort score or NPS or anything of that nature, anytime that you solicit feedback from your customers, you're asking questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, inside of the product, some of the more savvy products now, you know, they they proactively ask questions when they realize customers have obstacles. So, like in gaming, for example, there's a number of companies that can sense inside the data that a, a customer is having a block or an obstacle. So instead of waiting for that customer to tell ask, you know, tell them that they have a problem or a concern. They proactively reach out and almost treat those customers like an account manager with a large enterprise client. And so I think there's lots of different ways to gather that feedback. But just as you know, employees are the lifeblood of your company, customers are the heart 
right? Cool. And so your your body, the body of your company can't exist successfully and, and perform at its optimum level if you're not listening to, to all parts. Mm-hmm. And this is an interesting one. I did not know, like, so you're saying this kind of technology is already available where companies are figuring out, like, this is a place where if we are seeing these numbers, that this is a time where we need to take some action because customer is facing some problem. So you say this right. is already available. Yeah, it exists. So, I mean, when we created Officium with that first simple question that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. that's that's how we came to the solution of how do you tie what customers are are saying to what they're doing? And what I mean by saying is what are they saying in the community and social in your tickets and your surveys. So what are they doing in the game? That was our like our first step of correlating their behaviors in the product or in this point in the game to what they're how good they're feeling their experience is. And then the next stage of that was then looking at like saying, hey, we have this data set. We can proactively look at what customers are doing in the game. And now we have this whole history to know what they would say when these when these pointers or these kind of indicators popped up in the data so now we know that so with a high degree of you know accuracy or a high r squared correlation we can then reach out to these customers and get engage them and help them be more successful so that's one of the things that we did with a number of our gaming clients early on when we started officium and so the capability the technology the analytics all that stuff exists today it's all about execution interesting we touched a lot onto the point of roi other key metrics np NPS score and other key metrics that you mentioned. What about the frequency of uh, measuring these metrics? Like, because most of the companies are moving on a quarterly basis. What do you think? Like measuring every quarter, every week, what frequency do you like? A lot of people in the industry, I think, have a different viewpoint on this one. I'm, uh, I'm more of trust but verify. And what I mean by that is, if you measure something quarterly or even if you measure them monthly, it's a it's a kind of point in time. So it gives you kind of a, hey, where are we at on the journey? You know, where are the the, uh, the issues? Where are the, the joys, the goodness that's happening? But I look at data on a daily basis. I may not like track my teams, like you need to hit a certain target every day of every hour, but I look at customer data on a daily basis. And then I, I look at how does that correlate to business outcomes and then to employee experience. I track employee experience on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm very much like this is, if you think about a mobile device as a, a, you know, from a marketing standpoint, like you have a game on a mobile device, they're competing with Facebook, you know, they're competing with LinkedIn, they're competing with Twitter, right? It's an eyeball game, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not paying attention to that customer who feels the need for on-demand real-time love, if you will. So if you're not looking at that data more consistently than quarterly or monthly, then you're probably going to lose customers by accident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you're saying like this is more so of kind of personal choice and what pleases you and your company? Well, I, I think what I'm saying is my perspective is that if you you can look at it quarterly and monthly, and that's what's been done for years, mm-hmm. uh, you'll probably be moderately successful. If you really want to be a game changer in the industry and be a leader, you have to look at data on a daily basis and then determine how to whether data is relevant to take action or to monitor. 
And I think that's where the, the leaders are, is they're looking at it daily and they're either being proactive or they're being reactive based on what the data signals are telling them. And then mm -hmm. they're A-B testing and experimenting based off of what they're seeing to see if that changes over time. And they're not waiting for a quarter to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting take. How would you define like the difference between the customer experience amazement and annoyance? Why I ask you this question, because it is kind of related with frequency, a measurement of KPIs, how frequently are we measuring, how frequently are we are we seeing the trends? So what do you yeah. think, like, what is the difference between customer experience amazement and annoyance? I mean, I think from my perspective, one of the things that customers don't want is they don't want obstacles and they want their experience to be seamless. And so like when we think about tracking the customer experience on a daily basis, it doesn't mean serving customers every day, right? Mm -hmm. Because that would drive customers crazy if they got an email from you every day. But what it does mean is that you, you determine through experimentation, the right cycle on when you need to get feedback directly from customers when you need to observe customers' feedback more generally in the wild, so like on tw Twitter, Reddit, Discord, those types of things, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you need to look at the data that's inside of the product to help correlate and, and drive signal, right? Because customers give you feedback every day, if you're, especially if you're a, a product that has a digital footprint, right? They give you feedback every day by doing or not doing something in your product. And so I think it's, it's, it's important, the annoyance between the amazement if I don't think customers get annoyed if it's an amazing experience and if you don't bother them too much to deliver that. But if you bother them a bunch to deliver that, then they're going to get annoyed. Like, oh, it's a great product, but man, they, they send me an email every week. It's kind of annoying. I just, I just want to do my thing and, and play with their product or use their product. So I think you have to determine the engagement strategy and, and every, every product would be different. Like somebody in a gaming, for example, if you're in a mobile video game, we have customers that we end user end users of customers that we've worked with that they actually want to talk to mm -hmm. customer support on a weekly basis. Now, somebody that has bought an enterprise solution for like Asana or maybe Microsoft, they probably don't want to talk to Microsoft or Asana mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. And, and there's reasons why that is. And so I think it's important to understand what, what is that cadence so that you can get the data and information you need to make the right decisions to keep those customers happy, if that makes sense. Yeah, I really love the point where you mentioned even if the customer is not using your product, they're telling you something. <laughs> like yeah. if they're using your product, of course, they're telling you something. If they're not using it, they are still telling you something, If even if it is wrong. Most of the cases, it might be wrong because they are not using your product. They're not coming back. Right. There, There is going to be some problem. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And you also touched on the point of um, just finding out the strategy or um, basically finalizing the strategy in order to targets, but it starts from the customer journey mapping. How do you typically go with the mapping process of the whole customer experience journey? Yeah, I, I do a workshop and what I love to do at the beginning of the workshop is a little bit of a palate cleanser. Mm -hmm. And what I tend to do is I, I start off and I, I ask two questions of the team before we jump into a strategy session. And I'm like, first, tell me, what is the one principle or the one activity or the one thing that you most respect in life? 
And then two, I said, who is a person that you admire that has this, whether it's a close personal friend or whether it's you know, somebody in history or whatever, right? Mm. And so people a- answer that question. And what you immediately find out from both of those questions is what they believe should be the experience that they're delivering to their customers. And they don't realize that they they have that, I want to call it a bias, but they have that preference of what they think customer experience is. Um, and they don't realize it. So you, you do that palate cleanser and it brings out all kinds of different things. Like, like one time a person's like, hey, I want to, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think it should be iteration and Nelson Mandela, you know, is my thing. And they didn't put the two together. Like the Nelson Mandela actually had a quote about winter learn. It never occurred to them that the reason they admire Nelson Mandela was because of his resilience and his iteration capability, right? When another person would be like, I, I, I want to deliver amazing experience every day, all the time. And my hero is Jeff Bezos. And well, if you followed Amazon, you know that they're the, and Jeff Bezos were the world's most customer-centric company when they started, right? Mm-hmm. And so people don't correlate that that this is the type of experience that they want to deliver. And so you get 10 or 15 different viewpoints, and usually they're different. It's rare that they're the same. Um, and then what I do from there is I say, okay, well, if we have all these different viewpoints in the room, how do how do we think about a vision statement to deliver all of this? And so then I separate them into groups and they create their own vision statement based off of what they just heard all of their peers say was the most important thing to them. And then once they've done that, they align on a central vision statement. And then we're at a stage where we can actually have a strategy conversation because then the team is is aligned and bought in to each other. And if you try to have a strategy conversation before that, then you're just gonna get 10 different ways that people wanna do the same thing. And so that's one of the things, that's how I started off. And then from there, generally it's a 90 to 95%, you know, ease of doing a strategy session because everyone's in general alignment, respectability, you know, collaboration, listening, communication, that kind of stuff, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. So out of all the steps you, you just mentioned, how much would you lean on automation tools or you mostly rely on, on actually the people? the team members? Well, I mean, I think you, when you look at building a strategy, the strategy and a vision is generally built by human beings and people that are leading the team. Mm. Automation is a strategic component of what that team should determine on how you how you decide to engage your customer, right? There's many different ways to engage your customer. And automation is is a technique or a, t- a capability to engage them, whether you engage them like personally or whether you do it through RPA or through bots or through conversational. However you decide to use that, that's just a technique or capability. That's part of the strategy. I don't think automation itself determines the strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we covered a lot in, in this whole conversation. We talked about metrics. We talked about frequency. Uh, we talked about strategies and uh, working session. Now it comes to all to a cost. Whatever efforts we are doing in the customer experience journey is all going to take some cost. Now is the time that I should ask you this question, like how to turn customer service from a cost center to a profit center, how we can convert that. I mean... 
it's like magic to my ears, man. I think you probably know I love that phrase. And that's that's the reason when we started Ephesium, we wanted to demonstrate that improvement in revenue protection and revenue generation or attribution is that we believe that every company that has a digital footprint could prove that customer service not only funded itself, but it generated revenue for the company. And the most simple way to do this is to have a central ID that's connecting your service experience to your product experience, do a correlative analysis to determine where your correlation is, and then do A-B test experimentation as part of your strategy to identify how to get an R-score or correlation that's strong enough to prove revenue protection and revenue attribution. If you do those simple steps, even though there will be complexities underneath that, you will prove that customer service and customer experience is a profit center. I have done it more than 15 times. So correlation and analysis can give us these results. Basically, it's going to show us, I would say, to, to prove the point that our customer experience can be a, a profit center and not, not a cost center. Yeah. And I would even be a little bit stronger. I say it is. It mm-hmm. is today. People just don't know it because the data isn't demonstrated in a way that they can understand it. And that's that's where the whole that's why when we created Ephesium, we started doing this for clients is nine times out of ten, they were it was already profitable. They just didn't know how to track it and communicate it. And then and then after that, it was improving it so that it could increase revenue attribution. Mm-hmm. Cool. I know uh, time is of the essence here and we are almost there. Any final thoughts that you would like to share with the founder or the entrepreneur who's listening to this episode right now? I mean, I think I'll just go back to my, the simple question approach. Because like when I incubated Ephesium and I started it, I just had a couple simple questions I was trying to solve. And what I found is they have to be questions that nobody has solved. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And they ha- you have to solve them in a u- unique way that's interesting and intriguing to the market. But if you have those components and then you, you ha- have a good co-founder or, or you know, a good founding team, then you're going to do some great things. You know, it doesn't matter if you're focused on the resourcing side of customer experience, the technology side, a hybrid approach, whether you're building a product versus a service. If you do that type of an approach, you're just going to be successful. But don't lose sight of those simple questions that can deliver great ideas that make innovative products. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. And where can we learn more about you and your business if someone wants to get in touch? Yeah, you can look me up on LinkedIn, Jonathan Schroyer. Um, uh, Rise.com uh, is uh, the website uh, for our company. If you Google me, Jonathan Schroyer, you'll see all the, the different you know, avenues where I've communicated and magazines, blogs, podcasts, that kind of stuff, learn more about me as well. So, or just, you know, message me. I'm always happy to talk with like-minded folks that are interested in learning about the future of service. Awesome. Awesome. So listeners listening to this episode right now, um, I would highly encourage you to go to LinkedIn, get in touch with uh, Jonathan and uh, you're going to learn a ton again. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for doing this. This really means a lot. Well, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. What an honor.